1: Welcome to Acts of Pod. The gang's back together this week. We've <laughs> got... We've got Anne on base as always. Anne. Hello. And then we have Saison back. What's up, Cezanne? Hi there. Doing
0: all right, partner?
2: I'm good. Here I am. Is it...
0: Can... I? Just because I'm a little anxious... Are you recording right now, Sassan?
2: Me? Yes. I definitely You see AM. that it's
0: recording. Okay, cool. Yeah. That's all I needed to know. And
2: yeah. we're done. Now we can just put that to bed. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, that actually
1: works into our intro for today's episode. Um, <laughs> so, Axipod, if, if you haven't listened to us before, what we try to do is take something that... Um, has been going on in contemporary politics And then place it into A larger historical context And actually This week This was Anne's suggestion And Did you, did you want to go ahead and
2: and Plastic exp- bags
0: Part three
2: <laughs> I have been chopping at the bit to revisit this Actually There is news on the plastic bags front there, no, is, there news? is
0: a lot of news. There is a lot of news.
2: Yeah. Okay. You know what? We'll, yeah, let's, we don't let's, have to do it. <laughs> let's
0: revisit that at the end. We'll revisit it at the end. Okay. Okay. So topic was, I was just kind of venting to, to my friends, Gina and uh, Suzanne about um, how much just people hate homeless people. Like, or I guess People with homes and money hate homeless people. And uh, just kind of was throwing that out there. And I was like, you know, how did this, like the history of the concept of homelessness. This hasn't been like a, since like the beginning of time, like, oh, there was a guy without a cave, you know, kind
1: of thing. Well, I mean, it had, I mean, historically there have been if yeah, homeless people. Right?
0: right, right, right. But I meant like the, the how it's developed over time, like the idea of like what it means to be homeless and like how did people view you and where did you live and this and that and you know in modern times with this level of industrial urban development, homelessness is has a new sort of meaning or outcome. I don't know. You, do, you, do you see what I'm saying? Like, For it's sure. One thing, it's one thing to be like a like a transient peddler in 1500s England. It's right. another thing to be living in a homeless community in San Francisco in 2018.
1: Right. Right. Or like a you know, a 1930s rail car rider. Sure. You know. <laughs> With a knapsack <laughs> tied to a stick.
0: No, I just thought of Amy's Big Adventure That's one of the <laughs> <bad scenes. laughs> Okay, sorry.
1: So, um... <laughs> which I think, again, was one of the strongest allegories
2: for... <laughs> for homelessness in the bear.
1: Well, if not that, um... You know a loner and a rebel I um, <laughs> yeah. couldn't couldn't be tied to the rules and regulation of a modern capitalist society but, you know I mean like Jack
0: Kerouac sure he was, the on, the he was Herman, on the road
2: Pee Wee Herman Jack Kerouac <laughs> yes
0: mm-hmm. who do I like better Pee Wee Herman I, I oh, mean really. not even a close
1: hands call. down <laughs>
0: All right, so Gina, get us centered.
1: Okay, all right. So uh, I guess the tie-in is that uh, what you do hear a lot lately in the modern gun debate is that we don't have a problem with guns. We have a problem with mental health, right? So I thought it would be important for us to look at historically – how we have treated mental illness in america over the past century and you know see if there is in fact a relationship between um those two issues and if there were any room for improvement in our treatment for the mentally ill Mm -hmm. i'm saying spoiler alert there is what i was gonna say i think we're doing great Anyway, but, you know, the, I guess the, what a lot of us know and, you know, from certainly um, dozens of horror movies and um, like ghost seeker episodes that there was a time where there were insane asylums, right? So there is these huge structures in Victorian England and it, it, uh, 20th century where they would, if if you were mentally ill, or your husband wanted to get remarried, or whatever right. it was. Yeah, I was going to
0: say, it wasn't just, like, legit psychiatric diagnosis. Right. Or, right, right, right. Or if I you're mean, a woman with an opinion. Yeah. Right,
1: <laughs>
2: right. Hysterical.
1: Well, that's when you got the old ice pick to the eye. Oh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so there that that is where they would house the mentally ill and um it, they were rife with abuse that, that, you know, there weren't they
2: were dismal places, sad places, and really, the only uh like treatments that they offered was, you know, well, for one, just keeping them away from the general population out of sight, out of mind. But also um, electric shock therapy and lobotomies was the major uh, course of treatment for, you know, persistent and severe mental illness until, like, the 1950s.
1: Right. The kind of treatments that would, in fact, create ghosts
2: right? that were angry <laughs> <Tortured> enough.
1: <ghosts. laughs> right. Vengeful, mm-hmm. tortured ghosts. Right. So, uh, then, uh, it was the sixties when we saw a real turnaround.
0: Here's, here's what I was interested in. And, and I'm, I'm kind of, this is even, this is like big, big, biggity picture. The (laughs) idea of homelessness as a crime, going back to the, the concept of vagrancy uh-huh. And that, that start, do you know, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay. Like, uh, there was a vagrancy law in, um, England in the 1500s where being poor is criminalized. Um, and in some cases, you were, van- you were branded with a V for vagabond and put in jail and, I guess for me, that's kind of this, the background to what we're talking about.
2: Okay, like sort so, of the stigmatization of poverty and homelessness. Yes.
0: And this happens to be right at the rise of industrialization, capitalism. You don't have, you don't have money. You don't have a home. You're going to jail. Okay. Okay. What, Gina? No.
1: I no 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 I I'll just say that I I think it's instructive that that's where you're coming from because the where what I thought you were saying was the the policies of you know the huge cuts to American mental health contributed to homelessness here.
0: Well, absolutely. I'm just taking it back to how even just being poor was a cr- it has been criminalized over time.
1: Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. But uh, it, the mental health element is well it, it's all interconnected though. Okay, okay, okay. Because
0: it's like it's like the the most vulnerable population. Right. That it's now a crime to be Well, who's more likely
2: to be impoverished? People right. who are mentally uh, ill yeah yeah. people who are mentally ill people who are you know marginalized for any all the reasons that people are marginalized substance so. abuse uh
1: also yeah. do you know what the number one reason for uh female homelessness is
0: oh domestic violence
1: that's the one oh yeah yeah that seems fair
0: yeah that's cool yeah do do i want to get uh beat up every day and or or potentially murdered or do i want to be homeless and then potentially be raped multiple times by strangers oh god look this topic really made me mad it it, it, it always has while well, i was researching this one, it. just
2: this one yeah yeah <laughs>
0: Look, I know I've been kind of taking a back seat as far as <laughs> a, as far as like
2: not getting too emotionally. Uh,
0: I'm not involved. emotionally invested in this topic at all. I, I
1: have haven't seen you I haven't seen you fi- this fired up since you were <laughs> I don't know talking about George Strait twenty minutes ago. <laughs> um. So <laughs> but okay, so yeah, that that's a a, a good president, precedent 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 set in place. There was never a point where homelessness was just really embraced and everybody was super empathetic and um was really trying to problem solve and,
2: and No, I was uh I was just gonna say that um In 1955, the number of people who were institutionalized for mental illness hit the peak, just to kind of bring it back uh, to that, at uh, 558,000 patients. Wow. Uh, And so, you know, obviously there were problems with the institutions themselves, and there was a there was an idea that people with mental illness should be close to their families. People with mental illness should be in their communities and they shouldn't be um, basically just isolated in institutions. So that's sort of, that's ostensibly the impetus for the whole deinstitutionalization movement. But unfortunately it was uh, not executed properly
1: well and here's the thing so that is perfect because um the first time we see um what i think what people now sort of um advocate for which is a more like integrative approach to treating mental illness or or people that with severe mental illness is um in 1963 um Kennedy signed into law the Community Mental Health Act and if you remember he had a sister Rosemary right mm-hmm. who was institutionalized who was not seen and
2: lobotomized. by Yeah <laughs> sorry
0: <laughs> no <Uh-oh>, ruiner. <laughs> ruiner ruiner
2: sorry i didn't realize there was a big build up for it i thought it's and then but she
1: was like unseen by the family for 20 years and was unable to speak after her lobotomy and uh when, was unable to how, walk what yeah
0: her life well, was don't permanently. gloss over it just because lobotomy was mentioned because i don't know any of this
1: Yeah, after she was lobotomized, she lost her ability to speak. And the other thing was that it was really pushed by her father, Joe Kennedy, because she was um, caught um, sort of sleeping around. And
0: being a sexually autonomous adult or.
1: I mean, if you're a slut, I guess you would describe it that way.
0: (laughs) You mean she was like a woman deciding her own sexual
2: um yeah i don't i don't know the extent of her like impairment like cognitively or what have you but i think definitely the idea of her being a sexually active human was scary for the
0: required the lobotomy that's what they felt that was the tipping point is what you're saying
1: well and i mean the thing of it is is that who knows exactly what mental illness she had i mean it could have been several things but it um it it called her it, it caused her to be rebellious and joe kennedy had huge ambitions for his family so he couldn't risk the reputation of the family on a daughter whose behavior he could not control or he could not intimidate.
0: Well, and and, you know, and, and that makes sense because we, as we know, John F. Kennedy was like borderline celibate. (laughs) So, you know, I mean, they were really staunch, a, almost asexual <laughs> right. the, the men the Kennedy men yeah
2: well I mean they were known for keeping it in their pants
1: <laughs> I mean certainly you know it's okay when men do it yeah not right and not women right like
0: right women are women don't have uh, you know sexuality
1: right unless like men re- need it from them.
0: Or, yeah, or designate them as such.
1: So anyway, the Community Mental Health Act, um, along with this law, and I'm quoting here, the uh, development of more effective psychotropic medications uh, and new approaches to psychotherapy made community-based care for people with mental illnesses a feasible solution a growing body of evidence at that time demonstrated that mental illnesses could be treated more effectively and in a more cost effective manner in community settings uh, rather than in traditional psychiatric hospitals. And so that that was like a, a like a huge shift in treatment where, you know, like Cezanne alluded to earlier, like there were there were finally like psychotropic drugs that were actually helpful. And treating a lot of diseases and rather than just putting somebody in an, in an institution if they could you know make sure that they were getting psychiatric care and making appointments and had a place to live and but still got to participate in daily life that it was better off for everybody it was better off for them and it was cheaper in the long run mm-hmm. so um but that was like a really dramatic shift from the you know the previous, just institutionalized and lock away from ever, and also like separate from friends and family and isolate. And
0: did you f- come across any research uh, uh, coming from like the mental mental illness or you know dealing with um, trauma, struggle in relation to veterans and homelessness?
1: Yeah, that uh, when I in my Carter section.
0: Okay, let's go but, to your Carter section. we're not. But ready- you
1: can. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saving it. You can go.
0: No, whenever I, you want. I, I just think it would. I just think it's interesting that what I don't know. Uh, what it, I don't know what year this is from. Two thousand nine. Veterans represent twenty to twenty five percent of homeless people.
1: Oh God. Oh wow, that's
0: that's so, a shame. So, you know, let's make America great again.
2: Yeah. You know,
0: <laughs> well, let's be really patriotic and keep out immigrants because we're th- we
2: need to take care of our own first.
0: <sighs> and those are the ones that don't kill themselves. Sorry, to t- I'm sorry, but it's true. I'm, I'm taking it down. I need to. It- There's something about mental illness and veterans homelessness it is so depressing
2: yeah. why <laughs> <laughs> what part is it the part where their country has turned their backs on them <laughs> that part of it where
0: they put their life where there a 19 year old kid getting dropped off in vietnam <laughs> and have to serve four terms and watch everybody, all their friends, get blown up. <laughs> like, Is it
1: the state of living in a perpetual nightmare where <laughs> even in sleep they're not granted the freedom from absolute terror?
0: Yeah. Is that the part that makes you
1: sad? Yeah, or? yeah
0: like living in Jacob's Ladder.
2: <laughs> but, like, they... Is it the fact that they hurt the ones they love the most and
1: and if they were to actually talk to anybody like their superiors about their experience that they're often shunned
2: or mocked is it that there's no funds for supporting their mental health after they come back
1: yeah it's pretty it's pretty dark
2: all the way around i would say <laughs> I, I
1: everything everything you mentioned so far anyway <laughs> so one month prior to the election of reagan President Carter had signed the Mental Health Systems Act. And this was after um, he had done a report. Uh, he had done something called the Carter Commission. Essentially, they collected a lot of data and, you know, put a commission together to see like how best to serve the mentally ill and to serve the community in that way. Uh, the report endorsed uh, this is a quote. The report endorsed a federal program designed to encourage the creation of new community mental health services, particularly in underserved areas. It was imperative therefore that a national priority to meet the needs of people with chronic illness be established. The report urged develop a national plan for phasing down and where appropriate, closing large mental hospitals and allocating more resources for comprehensive and integrated systems care that included uh, community-based services in the remaining small state hospitals. And that's the thing, the one of the reasons that he had even put this together is because, like you were saying, this is right after the Vietnam War, which, again, these were people that did not volunteer to fight. They were drafted. They were 19 years old. I mean, it was not that any war is any easier than any other but just the terrain was hostile it was a brutal war so you know when they they came back like not only was there a huge uh, and with the mental with they they also realized that there was an element of mental illness that coexisted with substance abuse and so you know they needed that those things needed to be treated together and um there would be funding to help integrate soldiers back into society. Because you would think if you have like an eighty billion dollar budget <laughs> for the military that some of that money if if you do love the vets as much as you say, because enough to where you are furious if somebody kneels during a football game. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Oh, they don't give a god oh, they don't care
1: but if you could if you could apply that same oh. amount of fury <laughs> to the fact that there are vets coming home that are trying to work through trauma and PTSD and you know they are returning to friends and family who have not had the same experience that they've had. Yeah. So they're greeting them as if they're the same person, but they're a completely different person, and it's a very isolating experience.
0: I um, I have a childhood friend, like, in, like, childhood childhood, like, who came back from serving a couple of terms, killed himself. Oh, no. But I'm just saying, like... Once again, like what you were talking about, kneeling at football games, ah, it's so unpatriotic. Meanwhile, you've got, I mean, and this is a kid like went to college and like moved up in the ranks and stuff. Like a smart white kid, you know, like a privileged person. Yeah. Where were the resources? Where was the help?
1: So, to be clear, you want us to know that because he was white, he's better than most kids? Oh, God.
0: (laughs) No, I'm saying, I'm talking about privilege. Yeah, I got that. Wait, did did it sound like I was talking, I was being,
1: wait. Well, I mean, I understood what you were really trying to say. I think our listeners did, too. Oh, God, wait. I'm I'm joking, I'm joking and i was trying to work you up obviously
0: not oh god because if people (laughs) don't understand no they uh,
1: they understand and i'm sorry i was i was i was poking the bear okay
0: okay i was like wait wait a minute wait a minute
1: no yeah i know i I know
0: i know what
1: yeah, it's uh it's been pretty bleak so far, so I'm trying to insert any banter or how what about you, on What is there something that
2: Um Well I think just to kind of carry with the thread of like what happened along with deinstitutionalization, it wasn't just that, you know, there was a lack of funding, it was that there were like from nineteen fifty five between 1955 and 1994, there were about 487,000 patients with mental illness dis- discharged from state hospitals. So uh, they, were, they did not have all of them. I mean, that, this community-based uh, system was not in place to just sort of catch them, right? So I don't think you'll be surprised to learn that a lot of them ended up in the prison system. Um, that's another issue. And as we know, uh, uh, there are certain segments of the population that are overrepresented in the prison system anyway. Um, Are there? Yeah. (laughs) Um. And it's white,
0: it's, um, white guys who are... Who went to Harvard? It's those privileged white
2: guys that you were talking about. Yeah, yeah. no.
1: Yeah. Um, oh, is it the people that caused like um, the economic crash that no, almost no, destroyed those, the world economy?
2: It's that seems logical. But those aren't the guys. Oh, the guys or that,
1: was it was it a vet that accident uh, accidentally stole a bottle of lotion because he
2: right was because it he sure. thought it would keep the aliens away because he was <laughs> having a, oh god. Yeah.
1: He's in prison,
2: right? Because but the not, n- right.
1: not the people that stole the retirement savings from the elderly who Yeah. Okay.
2: It, it might also surprise you to learn that um they don't get really very good treatment there in the prison system hmm. because they're not equipped what? to treat people with mental illness. No, it's, like, it's Strange. Um hmm. so yeah. So that's that happens. Um and then You know, to to bring up sort of, you know, the fact that uh, the beds now in state hospitals, I think it's down to something like... So at this point, 2.2 million of the severely mental ill don't receive any psychiatric treatment at all. Right. And about 200,000 of those uh, suffer from, like, schizophrenia or uh, bipolar disorder or homeless. Of those two point two million that don't receive any treatment at all. Um, I have I have a good quote. I have a yeah, good quote yeah. about
0: that. Going on what you're saying. Most homeless individuals with severe psychiatric disorder disorders are not being treated. Most of them have oh god, it's a word. Um put it in quotes. I, uh, no, it's a word I don't know how to say.
2: Oh. Mo- most of I'll them help are you.
0: not aware. It's a word meaning they're not aware they're sick.
2: Is it anosagnosia? Like- yes. Damn. Told ya, I can get it for you.
0: Thank you. See?
2: Damn.
0: We all support each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so most of them have what? anosagnosia. Yes. Ooh. And are not aware they're sick. But legally, we protect their right to remain sick. As uh, one reporter noted, it's as if we suddenly decided to respect the right of Alzheimer's patients
2: to wander wherever
0: they please.
2: Yeah. No, good point. The the law has also made it virtually impossible to have someone put, you know, in a facility uh, committed, so to speak, against their will, which a person with anosygnosia is never going to be like, well, I don't feel sick, but everyone else is telling me I should be locked up, so I'm going to take your advice. And it's all in this, it's all, but it's all clouded in this whole idea of, like, civil liberties, which so suddenly we care about the yeah. civil liberties of somebody who doesn't know that they're, like, a harm to themselves and others. Right,
0: which it's like, no, you don't... I- you know what? I don't believe they actually care about the rights of the mentally ill. I mean – I don't believe that. Honestly,
2: how many people out there – how many families out there do you think there are, like, just plotting, like, you know, Cruella DeVille style? I mean, granted, sure. I, I'm sure there were abuses and people who had people committed no, it that would what shouldn't lives. have been. It I would know. save I, lives. I know the – I know I know the act –
1: it was the Lanterman-Petra Short Act, and um, it concerned the involuntary civil commitment to a mental health institution in the state of California, um, and the, act, sent the pre- act set the precedent for modern mental health commitment procedures in the United States. And so that was the act that, you know, you could only... Uh, you know, the 5150 terminology, and like you were saying, you can't force people to take medication. You can right. only, you know, only if you've established that they are um, a real immediate threat to themselves or others can you commitment. And and like you were saying, um, you know, I have a very close friend that's mentally ill, certainly not me. <laughs> um, but I've Nor noticed... Me. And I've noticed with this person that the more uh, mentally ill they became the more uh, they thought they were in complete control and resisted treatment of any kind right and uh, were more likely to b- believe irrational thoughts and could not be told otherwise so and I think that happens with a lot of people
2: yeah I where, mean it's a hallmark of <laughs> severe mental Mental illness yeah. is resisting treatment. but And, uh, and
1: like, and like well, you know, we were talking about, again, like, those Victorian scenarios where somebody just wanted to, like, take up with their mistress and they'd put their wife in the loony bin. Or, you know, there were those sort of things. Where, or, you know, uh, a, a family didn't want their reputation ruined, so they put their daughter in the loony bin. And,
2: or they wanted somebody's money, and so they put their yeah. elderly, you know. Yeah. But... The thing of it is, is, yeah, it is a really, like, it's a very tingled, tough issue, right? Yes, obviously you have to respect people's autonomy and whatever, but you know what's not going to solve it? <laughs> no funding for mental he- health care whatsoever, <coughs> like, so that there can be procedures to figure out, like, a a, a reasonable way to go about it. like a, And I'm sure that there is protocol, but it's just, like, maybe just... Throw a little bit more money at it, at the people who are, like, sort of experts on it. Maybe a little bit more research and funding and uh, staff.
1: Well, <laughs> to, well, to go back to my um, bullet points, so the beginning of the end was, like we said, with the Carter, you know, he put this commission together. <sighs> poor, poor Carter. Yeah. yeah. Seriously. Uh, the ink wasn't even dry when... Reagan came in, tossed it out, obviously. Tore it all down. In 1981, under the Omnibus Budget Reconciliation Act, (laughs) he um, cut federal mental health spending by 30%. And oddly, and so, and then in 1984, an Ohio-based study finds that up to 30% of homeless people are thought to suffer from serious mental illness. Then, oh, again, in uh, 1985, 11% of community mental health agency budgets. In 1985, federal funding drops to 11% of community mental health agency budgets.
2: Does okay. that make sense? Yeah. So uh-huh. they're left scraping up to to make up for those budget deficits, and, uh, and some of them are closing.
1: Right. Okay. So then by 2000, so uh, I mean, as you can see, this is sort of in free fall and you can see like these direct correlations between, you know, homelessness and jail. So in 2004, studies suggest approximately 16% of prison and jail inmates are seriously mentally ill, roughly 320,000 people. And this year, there are about 100,000 times as many seriously mentally ill people in jail, and prisons, than in hospitals. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, it's a, it's a crime. I mean, do you think somebody that was seriously mentally ill, if given a choice to receive treatment in a comprehensive and integrative environment, or jail, do you think that they would choose like um, housing and freedom and therapy or um, getting
0: beat up well, every day in jail or I don't know. But if they're unmedicated, like I'm just thinking about like, how do we, how do they even know what to decide?
2: Like I'm, yeah.
1: Well, I mean, I'm just saying I, I, I bet even in that situation, they'd rather not be in jail. That's what I'm saying. I mean, no, I, mean, sometimes,
2: I, I honestly, honestly, like, you know, who knows but the the point is yeah there's no there is no alternative for for most people and you know and, and then and what it's become too is it's become a huge burden and it's put families in crisis where they families who know that their children for example like early early i mean just sort of the most severe kinds of manifestations of mental illness that are happening in children and there's nowhere for them to go like they're threatening to kill their siblings they're threatening to kill their parents and they're physically violent there's that you know i don't know a lot of people have seen that um hbo documentary a dangerous son but it is like so devastating to watch and like the sort of like the gaslighting that the parents go through too of people just being like, Well, you really need to set boundaries for them and you really (laughs) it's just like, no, that's not what this is. This is all this is not like a a child who won't behave. This is a child with a mental illness. Like you can't apply love and logic or one, two, three magic on a child who has you know, this level of oppositional defiance or this kind of schizoaffective, you know, disorder, it's not going to work. And what they end up doing is like in this documentary, basically they, they have to call the police on their own children, like, and so they take them to juvenile detention. And it's like this, one of the boys, two of them, actually, one of them barely talks, but, um, so I don't, you don't get a sense of like what's really going on with him, but Two of them are obviously, like, on, uh, you know, a very, like, neurodiverse, like, on the autism spectrum in some way and have, you know, their understanding of what's even going on and where, like, why they're being put into this place or another is sort of limited. And it's just sort of, it's just so sad to see the families that are just totally in crisis and have no support.
1: Yeah. And just, um... One last statistic. Uh, In 2010, there were 43,000 psychiatric beds in the U.S. or about 14 beds per 100,000 people.
2: Right. And if you, and if that is it, the incidence and prevalence of mental illness, severe mental illness is much higher than 14 in 100,000.
0: I don't know what it is,
2: but it's much higher.
0: Hey, what were you going to say, Gina?
1: Oh, and the the last bit was um in one report it was found that seventeen point three percent of prison inmates were uh suffered with severe mental illness and they were homeless prior to being arrested and forty percent were homeless at one point in their lives. Wow. So um yeah, there's a there's a strong correlation between Untreated severe mental illness and homelessness. Sound great. Huh? Good to know. But, um, you know, like if we revisit, you know, what Carter's Commission came up with and, you know, this has worked in a lot of European countries as well, is that, um, you know, there have been several cities that... Have provided um, housing for homeless people, and it's actually less expensive than just ignoring them or putting them know, in jail, putting them in jail, yeah. or <laughs> constantly moving them, or harassing them, or arresting yeah. them for They're, vagrancy.
2: It, or, it's not like yeah. we lack a better service model. It's not like we lack it. We just lack the will t- and the, the, the empathy and the sort of compassion to actually pay for it as and a society.
0: I, well,
1: uh, we don't.
2: No, 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 not the three of us and no, people no, who... No, 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 no. The conservatives don't. Wait, right, right, right. I mean currently the fact the currently are the face of America does not unfortunately.
1: Well, because like again Carter the ink didn't even dry on what could have been I mean the the entire landscape of the country could have been so different. It's just like with the healthcare debate in general is that there are you think that you're making uh, a sound economic decision by not putting any money towards mental health services, for example. But actually, if you're housing people in prisons and you're (laughs) constantly policing, you know, vagrancy laws, et cetera, et cetera, that does cost money. So there's always more money. Wake up. Wake up! Can't sleep here!
2: Because, again, we keep coming back to the same thing. It's actually not about... It's not really about whether they're spending their money appropriately. It's not about being... It is about being fiscally conservative, but it's not about being fiscally smart. It's about getting people to vote for you because you have the right stance on something.
1: If they were, you know again, with every debate there is about guns and they talk about how the, you know, the mental health system is a shame as if they're not entirely responsible for it, but whatever. Right, yes. Um, You know, it would actually, it would actually be um, more cost-effective to offer these integrative, community-based resources for people to get, again, cost-effective psychiatric care therapy medication uh housing and you know that's the thing it's like they can offer housing on the condition that you take medication and make your appointments you know and like that sort of thing
2: yeah yeah i i just
0: don't understand how the public good how like walking down the street and Why why can't you just want everyone to be okay? What's with all this hate? Okay. (laughs) And now look, I could go into another Bob Marley song. Please do. What's with Desolation Row? No. What, is there a
1: Springsteen song? (laughs) It talks about disenfranchised and unloved Americans.
0: (laughs) Born in the USA. It I mean, actually is. That song's no, about. Yeah. I mean,
1: I I really can't feed you any more chances of comedy here, Anne, so I'm just gonna get. I'm just gonna give up. I mean, every single artist you listen to talks about the forgotten man, and if you can't come up with something, I don't know. Yeah, I Neil mean, Young, that other alcoholic.
0: Oh, man, take a look at my life. I'm a lot like you. Oh, my (laughs) God.
1: But, and again, I think we've, this is a thing that we've, like, um, hit on before, which is, it's not even about doing the right thing. Let's say you don't like the right thing. Let's just say you want to save money. Yeah, let's just say you're cheap. Yeah, let's see. Yeah, let's just say you, you, you know, maybe you do just hate people that are homeless and or have a mental illness.
0: Okay. Yeah. I
1: mean, granted you're probably a psychopath, but that's fine. Just I'm not here to judge you. Just pra- for pragmatic sake. Right. <laughs> you know, if if you want a bargain, I'm like this is like the 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 Costco of public policy. Yep, we can happen to do right by people who are underserved, and at the same time, and spend less. We'll spend less in the long run.
0: Yeah,
1: so pinch those pennies. Oh yeah. Oh, and also, uh, we uh, on a on a final note, old Scott Pruitt.
0: Yeah. Oh. <laughs>
2: Oh, Finally done oh, him
0: He's been one of our faves.
2: Ooh. <laughs> I mean, what are we going to do without him?
1: It, <laughs> it's so hard to say
0: goodbye.
1: <laughs> to <'Til> yes
0: today. <laughs> and I will <make laughs> with <it laughs> you
1: oh my god to bring my used mattress out of the rain oh my god what a weirdo but thankfully guys and again if you're anxious they're replacing him um temporarily anyway um With the coal industry lobbyist, yeah, sure, yeah, the environment is going to be fine.
2: Well, he'll be (laughs) even slicker and even more effective about destroying environmental protections. So, so I mean, he's a Washington insider. He is a lobbyist for a dying industry. Yeah. Um.
1: No, I mean, why wait for the sun to burn out to destroy the world? You know, like
2: <laughs> that's going to take uh, literally billions of years.
0: Oh, we were going to. That reminds me. Sun destroying the Earth. Oh, plastic bag.
2: There you go. Go
0: back. Oh, oh, okay. oh let's back in the news. Real quick. Suzanne, mm-hmm. What did you want to say?
2: Oh well, yeah, the Texas Supreme Court just mm-hmm. said that it was uh not legal for a city to have a plastic bag van, so we can all we can all uh welcome back the plastic bags in our grocery stores here in austin, yeah and and all over the all over the state
0: well, yeah, I think yeah wherever the wherever they are and you know and 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 it's um you know it's it's the right. Of plastic bag makers and people.
1: You know what they should do? Like, with every plastic bag, they should give you, like, a dozen of those um, six-pack rings. Yeah. Like, as a free gift. And plastic
2: straws for turtle <laughs> nostrils. Right. And you can just oh, dump God. them
0: in your nearest water source. Oh, yeah, and, like, the little seal with the, with the little ring oh, that's cut into his neck. Oh, oh my God.
1: it's fine guys it's going to be fine everybody's cool we're all everything look vote Beto
0: yeah Um, we're gonna look we're gonna go watch Xanadu and um just try to forget I'm (laughs) sorry.
1: wow it's it's been a real downer sorry about that (laughs) uh but you know life's kind of been a downer
2: not gonna lie I feel like you know (laughs) Uh, there was a time where I was like, this pendulum, you know, we're just getting real close to that, that apex and we're going to come, come right back. Nothing and, uh, stays the
0: same. Nothing stays the same.
2: Yeah. I've been reading a lot of, um... Uh-oh. Mr. Rogers quotes and, <laughs> uh quotes from people who lived through fascism. Yeah. Okay, uh, good. This sounds good. Yeah, and there's um, a lot of hope to be had if you can hang on to it (laughs) and not let it slip through your claws.
0: Or not go into the swamp of sadness.
2: (laughs) Exactly. I was actually thinking about that today on the road. I was like, (laughs) the swamp of sadness analogy is apt right now.
0: Oh, you have no idea.
2: But anyway, no, at least we've
1: got, um, we got Pruitt, um, Cohen Flip. I mean, who knows?
0: We don't know what's going on. Um,
1: I do love that eight eight Republicans went over to Moscow, um, on the 4th of July. That seems perfectly normal. (laughs) That's fine. That's fine. And, um... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, <laughs> before Trump had so, um,
0: things perfectly normal. Hey,
2: they brought out the DNA tests to uh, try to reunite those uh, refugee children with their parents after they, you know, separated them. So yeah, yeah. that's
1: great. Except that we realized it was closer to four thousand and two. You know, you know what? You
2: okay. <laughs> know, we're doing the hopeful thing. Remember,
0: we're hoping. You're right, guys. You're right.
2: Um,
0: um yeah.
1: It's going to be fine. But here's the thing if, you know, guys like, um, wherever you are, whatever small town you're in, you know, support the Democrat. Uh, I'm sorry, I did not mean to say that. <laughs> I was just trying to say candidate that best reflects your values. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a, lo- a lot of women running, there's a lot of progressives running, you know, let's, get whatever you need to do, if you need to give rides, if you need to pass out flyers, if you need to do a fun run dressed as Beto, I don't know, <laughs> but... Um, we gotta, you know, get people registered to vote and vote and and just get really involved in the process. And that and
0: goes back to uh, honest. And there is a link to homelessness, like because <laughs> you don't have to have a home to vote, but oh. unfortunately, homeless don't get to vote a lot of times. Okay. All right.
1: Well, um. Sorry. Thanks for that. That was a
0: horrible segue. I'm Uh sorry. Oh, God. On a
1: bright note. On a bright note. And that reminds me. Have you ever pooped in a plastic bag because you were homeless? (laughs)
0: Look, our listeners come back. They come back because They know we're honest. They know we are going to
2: sing at some point. We're going
0: to sing at some point. At some point, I'm going to ruin everything. (laughs) And
2: I'm going to tell it like
0: it is. And um, uh, yeah. All
1: right. Well, uh, glad to see everybody back this week. If. you want to um, talk with us
0: uh, or suggest a topic? How about that? Yes, yes, of course. I'm not guaranteeing we'll go with it, but
2: no, I, it's
1: an absolute guarantee. Yeah. It is a contract <laughs> signed
2: in blood, and it is, <laughs> it is guaranteeing it.
0: Um, but I would love to hear some ideas
2: yeah
1: we'd love to hear some feedback. I mean, we would appreciate it being positive gentle um, uh but we are on Twitter at axopod. We're also on Instagram at axopod and axopod at gmail
0: facebook
1: and facebook that's right Axopod on facebook axopod at Anne's butthole so <laughs>
0: ruiner <laughs> so
1: anyway it was uh, th- it's good to see you guys and um, you know hope to see you next week
0: never know mm-hmm. you never know it's <laughs> a surprise every time
2: that's right that's right um okay cool okay all right okay bye bye buddies. bye bye bye
0: Bye. I'm going to stop recording.